0: Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast. My name's Andrew Wilshire and I'm an associate
1: in the employment team at Paris Smith. Hi everyone, my name is Adam Will and I'm a solicitor also in the employment department at Paris Smith. Our LinkedIn theme for February is disability
0: discrimination, so we wanted to do a podcast on this topic, but because it's a broad topic, We wanted to do a deep dive into a really interesting case which is hopefully helpful rather than try and cover everything disability discrimination related. So the case we're going to look at is a recent case in 2022 involving the Department for Work and Pensions and Boyers. So I'm going to look at the background to the case, Adam's then going to look at a bit more detail at the Employment Tribunal and Employment Appeal Tribunal decisions and then we're going to have a bit of a chat about some key takeaway points for employers. So the background to the case is as follows. Mrs Boyer's worked for the the Department for Work and Pensions as an administrative officer from 2005 until she was dismissed in early 2018. And she suffered from chronic migraines and she believed that her treatment at work, in particular she alleged that she was being bullied and harassed, was increasing the frequency of her migraines. And she requested to move desks or to move teams on a number of occasions, but those requests were refused. And it was eventually agreed that she could move floor after she, after she broke down at work. Mrs. Boyers disclosed that she'd been treated for depression, for stress, and panic attacks as a result of her colleagues' behaviour. She was referred to occupational health, and the report considered that the claimant, Mrs. Boyers, disabled under the definition in the Equality Act 2010. She submitted a grievance regarding how her managers had dealt with her health problems and the stress and her bullying complaints. And the grievance was not upheld by the employer. In February 2017, Mrs Boyers went on long-term sick leave due to work-related stress. Then we fast forward towards the end of 2017, and she stated that she was willing to return to work, but not at the Middlesbrough office where she was based. She had a six-week trial at an alternative location, but the Department for Work and Pensions decided that this had not been a success and instructed her to return to the Middlesbrough office. Notably, they informed her on a Friday afternoon that she had to return to the Middlesbrough office on the following Monday morning. And that was even though there'd been problems with the IT equipment that she'd been... There was no weekly feedback sessions that had been discussed and promised and only limited training offered to Mrs And in addition, there was no contemporaneous paperwork relating to the trial. Mrs Boyers felt unable to make the return to the Millsborough office and remained on sick leave. She was eventually dismissed by reason of capability due to her unacceptable level of attendance, and that was in January 2018. She appealed the dismissal, but the appeal was not upheld by the employer. And she then brings various complaints before the Employment Tribunal, including, among other things, discrimination arising from disability under Section 15 of the Equality Act 2010. So just for everyone's awareness, discrimination arising from disability can occur where an employee is treated less favourably because of something arising from a disability. And in this case, it was her absence. So I want to hand over to Adam now to talk about
1: the Employment Tribunal decisions. To that, Andy as Andy has said Miss Boyer's brought complaints in the employment tribunal for unfair dismissal and also for discrimination arising from disability now unlike direct discrimination discrimination arising from disability can be justified if the employer can show that there is a proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim In order to determine whether there was discrimination here arising from that disability, the employment tribunal first had to determine whether Mrs Boyers was disabled under the Equality Act. Now, the legal definition of a disability here is different to the medical definition of a disability. And essentially, under law, a disability is defined as either a physical or a mental impairment, which has a substantial and adverse effect on an individual's ability to carry out day-to-day activities. There's also a requirement that that impairment has lasted for 12 months or can reasonably be expected to last for a 12-month period of time. Ultimately, the Employment Tribunal determined that Mrs Boyers was disabled under the Equality Act and they upheld her claim. The DWP then successfully appealed to the Employment Appeal Tribunal. This led to the case being remitted back to the Employment Tribunal for them to determine the question of proportionality in terms of the dismissal. In argument that was put forward by the DWP in terms of the proportionate defence, they advanced two legitimate aims. The first one was the protection of public funds in terms of dismissing Mrs Boyers, and the second one was the effect that her continued long-term absence was having on the workforce. So on remittal, the employment tribunal found that the DWP had failed to properly evidence its purported legitimate aims. In any event, it found that the decision to dismiss was disproportionate, bearing in mind the effect that this had on Miss Boyers, and the effect that her dismissal had on the wider staff, and the fact that it wasn't significant in terms of those legitimate aims. The Employment Tribunal also considered that the DWP hadn't properly and appropriately considered the work trial that she had been subjected to, and that if they had, she could potentially have remained in employment. The DWP then brought a second appeal to the Employment Appeal Tribunal, arguing that the finding was perverse, namely on the fact that they argued that Mrs Boyers would not have been able to return to employment at the Middlesbrough office. Further, the DWP argued that the Employment Tribunal's assessment of proportionality should only have been limited to the contractual terms in place, such as in relation to the place of work and the job role, and therefore that they were wrong to have considered proportionality in terms of the work trial. The Employment Appeal Tribunal then dismissed both of these arguments The tribunal found that the work trial was not out of bounds in terms of assessing proportionality and therefore as the work trial had not been undertaken properly by the DWP, the DWP could not prove that it had appropriately considered other alternatives to dismissal. Therefore, the argument that they could advance that it was a proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim was not successful.
0: So we thought it would be really good to think about some discussion points from the case. So Adam, the first point that we wanted to think about was the absence. So Mrs. Boyers was absent for about a year, yep. subject to a couple of weeks when she underwent the trial period in 2017. So the first thing to take away from employers here is how do you deal with long-term absence? Because it's a difficult issue for employers. And it's important for employers to understand they're not expected to keep employees on sick leave indefinitely. But of course they need to follow a fair process and generally that process will consist of consultation with the employee, getting medical advice as to the prognosis and the diagnosis of the condition. If there's a disability, thinking about putting in place reasonable adjustments to ameliorate the disadvantage. And then thinking about alternative roles, alternative duties that an employee might be able to do as well. And all of that would need to be done before you get to the dismissal stage. So it's crucial that employers feel able and equipped to deal with these types of situations. And obviously we're seeing a lot of long-term sickness issues at the moment, a lot of mental health issues as well. Certainly that's something that Mrs Boyer suffered with. So I think one of the key takeaway points from my point of view would be employers understanding what duties they have to follow when you've got an employee in long-term sickness but also feeling empowered to take proactive steps to deal with employees on long-term sickness absence to support them to try and integrate
1: them back into the workplace based
0: upon medical advice as well.
1: Yeah absolutely totally agree with that Andrew and just to add in terms of the medical advice that we always recommend an employer gets They should really be looking to take that step as soon as possible and we'd normally recommend that a referral gets made to occupational health. There are specialists that can review the employee in light of their condition and in light of their work to determine and provide a steer on the condition and how the employer could potentially make any adjustments to that. I think the next key takeaway point from the case Andrew is the fact that a tribunal, if it gets to that stage, they will look at all the steps and all the processes that an employer has reviewed in terms of the absence. In particular, if there's been a work trial imposed, has the employer approached that with an open mind? Have they reviewed it appropriately and have they accurately documented the decision makers steps in relation to any work trial or adjustments that have been made in the workplace? Yeah, I absolutely agree, Adam, and
0: I think I think there's some final points just to think about here with, when it comes to the case. One of them is that she was a long-serving employee, so she'd been there for about 13 years, which is a long time, and the tribunal would certainly have expected the employer to take that into account. I suppose when it comes to the grievance, it may have been the case that the employer actually justified to not uphold the grievance, but importantly, they would need to justify that decision. I think that's a theme running through this case, is that there probably wasn't enough contemporaneous notes to back up what decisions were made and why, to justify those decisions. And we talk about proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim. Crucially, I think a key takeaway from this case is that employers need to keep notes and accurate record of notes, justifying what decisions they're making and when. and ultimately, the DWP's approach to the work trial was deemed unreasonable and wasn't a sufficient prerequisite to the dismissal. And I think if they had a record of notes detailing why they were making those decisions and why they thought the work trial wasn't suitable, then it would really have helped them in tribunal. And I think finally, the case serves as a reminder that, and as you said already, Adam, that we should genuinely explore alternative options before dismissing or deciding to dismiss a disabled employee, not simply going through the motions without a process, but genuinely thinking about alternative options before dismissal. Yep. Absolutely. We hope that you found that really helpful and useful. And if you've got any questions or you want any further information on anything that we've spoken about today, please feel free to contact Adam, myself, or one of the team.